everybody. Welcome to Because of Jesus Podcast. Remember, as always, like and subscribe to this channel. Um, and if you're listening on uh, podcast platforms, be sure to um, share and subscribe to that as well. And uh, we thank you guys for joining us. And uh, we've been doing this thing for a little while now. But, um, yeah, Pastor, you and Austin ended your last podcast with your Super Bowl prediction. You said Cowboys by 20. I was close. That didn't happen. <laughs> um, and Austin had the uh, yeah, 49ers. Yeah. We had. Yeah. And that almost happened. Probably should have happened. Everybody wish it would have happened, mm-hmm. but it didn't happen as well. And I'm still in mourning, but I'm still repping um, who should have been there. So okay. we're there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, today we're going to jump into um, the series that you started two weeks back yeah. um, called Come Sit With Me. And um, a lot of good feedback already. And going to kind of dig into that a little bit. Yeah, it, it came from what I see really right now going on. And, and it's hard for ministries and pastors and churches. It's almost two sides, Johnny. You have one side that's going, you know, there is no sin. Just come to our church and there's no expectation of mm. transformation, which which is not really what Christ was calling us to do or become. And then the other side is, you know, that we've been saved and we're the church and we don't want to be stained by the world. We don't want anything to rub off on us. So we're going to stay away from the harvest, stay away from those who really need Jesus. And that's not where I believe God's called us either. You know, we're, we can't be the church that embraces every sin and allow people not to expect transformation. But on the other side, I don't want to be the church that's so afraid of the harvest that we don't love people, mm-hmm. that we don't do what Christ has called us to do. And so that's where this series came from because when I read in scripture, what they were constantly accusing Jesus of doing was sitting with sinners, talking with sinners, having fellowship at the table. There's something about the table, an aspect of communion and community, uh, and even into what we take at communion. And I saw him breaking bread with those type people, and it really bothered the Pharisees and the scribes. And so that was the where I got the series from. I went through all out the New Testament, through the Gospels, everywhere they were confronting Jesus for eating with these type people. I want to know the why. Why were they doing this? The purpose and also the outcome of what Jesus did. So that's where the series came from. Yeah, and a lot of there's already been a lot of conversation over the last few weeks. Um, we've been been very intentional with our visuals, um, having you know from the from the screen having a table as far as your title slide having a table on on uh, on stage and even this Sunday going to be take that a step further with illustration with Absolutely. actually people sitting at the table so um people been has been already on social media this week and last you know saying come sit with me yeah. um so it's been it's been resonating already Absolutely it, it, it should be the heartbeat of the church uh in Matthew we preached the first week uh, when they were opposing Jesus for telling Matthew or Levi to follow him. And he rebused them. And he, he reminds them of a Hosea 6 and 6 scripture where he said, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. Um, he said, go and learn. He mm-hmm. was saying that there is a better way than what you think you are doing. And sometimes in churches, we feel like we have it all figured out. And to me, that's a danger because that's where we begin to protect things that I don't feel like God wants us to protect. And we protect buildings and structures and denominations. And we become a, a monument or a museum at best. Instead of being that active force in this world where Christ is seeking to save that which is lost. What a concept for the church. That Christ, our Savior, 
is trying to save that which is lost. And we who are saved and being saved, we should be the greatest ambassadors of that. We should be the ones saying, if he did it for me, he can do it for you. And not being afraid of something rubbing off on us, but with righteous wisdom standing there in unity saying that God in, did this in us. We are the testimony of the handiwork of God. You with me? Mm-hmm. To me, that's what the church should be. It should, it should really be a hospital. It was a hospital for the people of this community needing redemption and reconciliation back to God. At least that's the way I see the church. Yeah, yeah. and we and we've and we've seen that here over yes. the last several years. You know, people coming to, you know, not only because um, we preach the word and we're we're authentic, and because we have a, I mean. Should say like this: an authentic Pentecost. It's not sure. for show or anything like that. It's well, drawing people in. Um, but we've seen that over the last few years, people coming in because we are we have been a hospital. We have been a place for hurting people to come be healed. Absolutely. Oh, without uh, apologizing for it, you know, there was a rumor going around that people say that's a church that anybody can go to. Mm-hmm. Yes, a thousand times yes, um, because we're the church. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not we're not the only church. There's a lot of great churches in the PD region, but we're one of those who believe that, that Jesus still saves. In, in Luke 15, let me, let me jump there quickly. In Luke 15, there are two things immediately that I see. After they accuse Jesus of eating with the, with the, the sinners, the scribes and Pharisees accusing, you know, the, the funny thing about that, it was true. What they were accusing Jesus of doing was absolutely true. Mm-hmm. He was eating with sinners. He was fellowshipping, fellowshipping with the lowest of the low. And so, you know, I said this Sunday, when they're accusing you of something because they're trying to degrade you, but what they're accusing you of is absolutely true. Mm-hmm. He, he didn't hide that. But immediately he begins to tell the parables, probably the most familiar chapter in the Bible, this or Psalms 23. He, he tells the parables of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son, which I believe there's another part of the story. You've got to remember that his audience was not just the sinners or the tax collectors, but also the, the audience was the Pharisees, it was the Jews. So when he was telling the story, he begins to tell them about the, the, the shepherd leaving the 99 to go after the one. So there's two things immediately that we see in these parables. First of all, that we have a God who's active in pursuing us. We have a God who wants us to come to a place of repentance, that we serve the true God who loves us and who will leave the 99 in good hands and go after that one who is lost. Mm -hmm. And then the second thing is when he finds it, he rejoices. He places it on his shoulder, that tender, caring nature of our God. But he rejoices throughout this whole chapter there is joy. Every time something is found, there is joy. When the sheep is found, there is joy. The next parable, when the lady sweeps the house, she finds a coin, she calls her neighbors, and there is joy. When the prodigal comes home, he has a party, and there is joy. Now, Johnny, I think it's one of the lost aspects of the church. When the baptism pool has spider webs in it, something is wrong. You want to know why churches are dying? Because there's no joy, because there's no expectation for salvation. When people are being saved, when children are being saved, when your when your brother gets saved, your sister gets saved, your son gets saved, there's joy in the house. Mm-hmm. There should be joy. Mm-hmm. My son who was dead is now alive. Should we be quiet about that? Mm-hmm. Should we do the golf clap? Are we afraid of offending somebody or do we rejoice? We call the neighbors. If heaven's rejoicing, 
then why should the church not be rejoicing? Mm. And so churches that are are, are dry, I, I want to say, when's the last time, time somebody got saved in your church? Mm-hmm. When's the last time you invited a lost person and they came to the altar? Now, I'm not trying to preach tradition that it's got to be three songs, a sermon, and an altar call. I don't care what it looks like. They could have got saved in the parking lot, mm-hmm. but we still can have joy. They could have got saved in the youth room. Uh, <laughs> about to get carried away there. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what room they got saved in. Um, I remember... When, and when I, I got saved at Sherrall, I remember on a Wednesday night that a truck driver passed our church. This is a true story. Came into our sanctuary, opened the back doors, was crying and said, I was driving by the road and I felt the convicting power of God. I am a wayward son of the church. We stopped church because mm-hmm. church was starting at that moment. Yeah. That man came to the altar, confessed his sins and gave his heart to Christ. Mm-hmm. And we rejoiced. Yeah. We really rejoiced. You with me? Mm-hmm. Any any thoughts? Yeah, and most of the time, it unfortunately it takes a extravagant moment like that mm. for rejoicing to happen. You know whether you know because all of us get caught up into it sometimes. When we sit back in the crowd and people come to the altar, and we may be observers at that time, and the pastor, whoever's up front, says, "Hey, this person just you know received Christ for the yes. first time," kind of thing, and everybody claps. But is there real rejoicing happening? Um, yeah. You know, you have clapping and, and we've seen, you know, in baptism, you know, the same kind of thing happen. Baptism happens and everybody claps and says, yeah, Yeah. but there's a difference between clapping and cheering and rejoicing. Absolutely. It's it's two different things. I don't think we understand baptism. If we really understood baptism um, and, and you're really seeing a resurgence back in the church, my buddy at the beach, Jamie Barfield, um, does a great job with this and other churches as well um, because it is the picture of death the life it is the picture of that we died in him mm-hmm. and we also we get up from the grave as he did you know it's it's that picture of that inward work it's an outward sign so when you understand that everyone that's being baptized is saying that I I died in him and I rose in him and now I have this new life in him it is the picture of salvation. There should be rejoicing in the mm-hmm. church. We're not saying that every church should do it like we do it. We mm-hmm. don't do it like other churches. We don't do it like other Pentecostal churches. We have our own uh, uh, DNA of worship. Every church does. But there should be rejoicing. Luke 15, there's constant rejoicing. Yeah, the Pharisees angry at Jesus eating with sinners, and he responds to a seeking Savior and a joyful church mm-hmm. or a joyful people. It's the beauty of salvation. Yeah. I think the, the difference between clapping, cheering, and rejoicing is rejoicing can happen for longer than just a moment. Oh. Um, it can happen days and months and years on end. I feel like that's the rejoicing part behind it. And so often than not, we sit, we get, we cheer and we clap, and not just here, but yeah. you know, around, you know, as as Christians as a church, we cheer and we clap yeah. for that moment, and then that moment's passed. And is there any more celebration after well, that? Last night they were singing the goodness of God. And we had a worshipful time on Wednesday night with a guest preacher. We didn't have a guest preacher. Um, I, I don't I don't know what the service would have went to because people were, were just rejoicing about how good God has been mm. to them. It's my greatest praise when I start saying, God, why you've been so good to mm-hmm. me. When you when you think about what he's done for you, that's that's that continuing part of salvation. That yes, salvation, God, God saved me. My name's written in the Lamb's book of life, but that's the starting point. Oh, salvation gets better mm-hmm. when you think about what God's done since that moment. Mm-hmm. That's the beauty yep. of it. Yep. 
Amen. Oh yeah. Go, come back to Luke 15. So we go back to Luke 15. Notice not only the joy, but with the go to the the last one with the son. You know, the son, the prodigal. He he takes his inheritance. He goes out to the field. His father's now dead to him. He gets out there. We rejoice. The church, the American church, we love this story because it is us. And we should. It's, it's a mm-hmm. beautiful story. And he goes out there. He wastes everything. He comes to his senses. He comes home. The father sees him coming, embraces him, puts a robe on him, covers the nakedness of the world, puts the ring, kills the fatted calf, and has a celebration. Mm-hmm. And we stop there, John. It's a beautiful story. But we stop. But we forget that there's another brother who I believe is lost in the house. Mm-hmm. One's lost out the front door. One's lost out the back door. The reason we stop there is because we can't identify with this. We should, but we don't. But remember who Jesus was speaking to. Remember the Pharisees and scribes. Remember the Jewish people. This is the ones who thought they were always right and righteous, mm-hmm. but had lost their joy, not understanding the, who the Messiah was and that he was in the midst. And so get this down the parable. We stop with the three, but we don't realize maybe the last part of the story is the one that we need to preach. Now get this. So the older brother hears what? He hears rejoicing in the house. Mm -hmm. And he says to a servant, he said, what's that noise going on? And he says, do you not know? Do you not know that, that your brother who was dead is now alive? Your brother who was gone is now back. Now, what do you think the response would be there? Surely, surely right. Mm-hmm. He's running to the house. Yeah. Now, you're about to get me to preach now. He should be, he's running to the house. Going, my my brother, my my blood, my, my brother who was dead to me, I lost fellowship with him. I lost communion with him. I lost community with him. It's now home. Let me go embrace him. It's the opposite. And when churches, ministers and ministries, forget about the beauty of salvation and we start judging who got saved what church was it at mm-hmm. who was preaching was it was it pentecostal was it lutheran was it southern baptist or independent baptist what song were they singing was it from the red back or was it was it words on the wall was it mm-hmm. bethel was it elevation what was a preacher wearing a tie or was he not wearing a tie who cares mm-hmm. my brother who was dead is now alive, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, did they have church on Sunday or was it Sunday afternoon, right? Mm-hmm. We do all these things, uh, you know, or, or the new thing that was he wearing tennis shoes? If he's wearing tennis shoes, he can't be anointed if he's wearing tennis shoes. Instead of the church realizing that salvation was wrought, the the wayward son is back. You, you understand what I'm mm-hmm. saying? And, and, and he gets mad. Two things here, first of all. You jump in, please, because I'm preaching now and I don't, I don't want to preach. One, he missed the fellowship of, of what was there. And when we as a people look down on what God is doing and our churches are dry and there's no joy and the baptism pools are dry, full of spider webs because it's been that long since somebody's been baptized, we have forgotten the fact of that when God brings uh, fellows into the ship, how good fellowship can be. Mm-hmm. You with me? Yeah. He should have been rejoicing. And the father rebukes him and said, we should have been making merry. He was talking about the other side. Yeah. I mean, at, at, you see this here? Yeah, it happens because of selfishness. We, we've we done all the right things. If, if we're that brother, we've done everything right. And we've done everything how we're supposed to do it. And when somebody else who hadn't done everything right and hadn't done everything the way that's supposed to have been done it, essentially Tell figures it. it out and comes back. It. It's harder for us to accept that. 
and celebrate and rejoice because why we haven't been rejoiced over because we've been doing everything right. But since they messed up and come back, they get that over. I agree with you. But, but, but asking why is our salvation experience still Mm -hmm. not good? Yeah. Has God not been faithful to Mm -hmm. us? Or is it that the further we get away from that moment of salvation, the further we get away, we begin to protect things that God doesn't want us to protect. We begin to forget about how far he's brought us and forget that if there is a hell to shun, Mm -hmm. then why is the church not standing up anymore saying that there's still room at the table for everyone? Mm -hmm. Now, now, now once again, I'm going to touch on this at the end. But that, that, that doesn't mean you stay as you are. We expect transformation. It is actually in our vision state. But we, but we have forgotten how great it is to have others come into the fellowship and realize that the same God that saved me is the same God that is saving them. Mm-hmm. And watch this. So I know time's leaving us. Not only fellowship, but sonship. When the father at meets with him, the father said, son, everything I have is already yours. Mm-hmm. It belongs to you anyway. I never took anything from you. So understand that while he was with the father, he wasn't with the father. He didn't realize the beauty of sonship. And when we forget that we are sons and daughters of the most high God, we begin to allow the carnal side of man to dictate spiritual actions inside the church. Right? Mm -hmm. You know, salvation is between 11 and 12 got to be done by 12 but truly at palmetto street now it's seven days a week mm-hmm. right now we're doing a podcast yeah. during the week but there's church there's celebrate recovery there's other classes there's cell groups and small groups and connect groups and there's pre other preaching sermons we're adding new series for young preachers to preach and older preachers to preach why because because it's happening all the time and i don't want somebody saved up under my ministry so I could get a box on my report. I want somebody saved because their name is changed and mm-hmm. written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. Yeah. And that their past is forgiven. You, yeah. you with me? Yeah, no matter who it's no. coming from or where it's coming from or where it happens at either. No, brother. It should be celebration. But but now you're preaching what I, I said two weeks yeah. ago. We don't like celebrating the victories of other ministries and ministers because we feel like that that they belong to me, not realizing it all belongs to God. Mm-hmm. And when you can't celebrate salvation, so the church down the road from us, and you know how I feel about this, we, we support other churches even in this own town. Um, when I can't celebrate the victories that they're having with the revival and salvations, then something's wrong with me. Mm-hmm. And I need to go back to the altar, repent uh, of this mindset that I have. Yeah. Because I've forgotten that I'm a son of the most high God. This brother forgot. He, the father said, you should have been celebrating with me. You're my son. You know, he, he's got the benefits of that. Yeah. And so I really feel that I'm strong about this, that there is room at the table, but the church also must set the table back up. When I came into the church, I remember, I'm not saying we got to do it this way, times change, but I remember that everyone was welcome. And that didn't mean that we condoned their sin. We used to take buses and pick up people, pick mm-hmm. up children, because we wanted to get people in church. It was on the sign. It was, it was on the sign out front. Yeah. Everyone welcome. Everyone welcome. But now it's almost that I, I, I not this church, uh, <laughs> but somebody said, can you believe somebody's here? Yes. Mm-hmm. I've been praying for them to come. Been pleading their name out, not and not just me, but others as well. They should be here. Mm-hmm. You know, the, a, a preacher turns his back on God, then years later he comes back to the church and whispers, goes throughout the church, asks, "Ask, can you believe so and so is here?" Praise God, he's here. Mm-hmm. 
Tell him to come sit with me. Tell him, tell her to come sit right up here with us because we have a place for yeah. them at the church. That is the beauty of the Christian church, that forgiving church and that loving church. So we are screaming right now at Palmetto Street, come sit with us. Come experience what God has done and is doing. And also, now we are glad that you're sitting with us, but let me tell you about the power of transformation. Mm -hmm. How you are right now, you won't be this way next year. Yeah. What you look like right now, you probably won't look like this next year. Yeah. What do you mean? Look at me. If he can do it for me, he can do it for you. Amen? Yeah, and it's not a come sit with me isn't a marketing ploy. No. Yeah, not, no. Yeah, not for anybody that might think that or see that or anything. It's just it's not a marketing ploy. It's, it's become, it's, it is our DNA, and it's becoming more so part of our DNA. As well, where everybody is welcome. Yeah. We don't have it on the church side. but Everybody's sure. welcome. Everybody's yeah, welcome. everybody is welcome. Uh, whoever continues to say, say that about us, please keep click, keep on. Uh, <laughs> you're, you're, you're really helping us. You're helping the kingdom because people are showing up from all walks of life. But the beauty is we are sharing the gospel with them. We are begging, praying, pleading, calling their name out in prayer, knowing seats with all. Because why? Because we believe that God can truly save their life and transform them. And then they go from the ones being begged to come sit at the table to the ones begging other people to come sit at the table. Mm -hmm. Amen? Yep. Now, in closing, here's the odd thing about this story. Everybody is happy in the story but the older brother. Yep. And the Pharisees in the beginning, yeah. which I believe he represents. Everybody's happy but him. Shepherd's happy. The woman's happy. The angels are happy, right? The father's happy. The prodigal's happy. But there's no joy in the one who's looking down at salvation. Mm -hmm. What a concept. Maybe the Lord's trying to tell us again in our churches that he still saves. And if he does save, and if we take the time to disciple them, what joy will come back in the church? What celebration of my child who was dead is now alive. But the odd thing is, Johnny, when the story ends, he doesn't give us a conclusion. It's kind of open-ended with the older son. And I think it's because of the audience who Jesus was speaking to. But it also reminds us that parables are opportunities. They're opportunities for the sinner to hear and surrender, but also for the church to hear and surrender and realize and I'm going to say this very openly in case somebody's watching this. You know, the church down the road is not our enemy. Mm -hmm. And if a pastor's watching this, I'm not his enemy. Yeah. You, you want to know about my life? Come sit with me. I'll share how good God's been to me in spite of. You don't have to make up things about me. You want to throw mm -hmm. stone? We're, we're, not, we're not in competition. You know, I said this Sunday, complacent Christians become competition Christians. And those who are competing against each other have no spirit of celebration. Mm -hmm. you know, we're not competing. But you have a choice today that you can get back to preaching the gospel, living the gospel, and telling people that God still saves. Yeah. You mean? And if we all do that, what joy will come back into the church. Mm -hmm. Amen? Yeah. All right. Yep. That's it. Awesome. Good stuff. We'll uh, continue. How, how long... Uh... How long are we going to be here? At least three more weeks. Cool. Um, at least three more. We're going to go to Galatians on Sunday when um, Paul rebu uh, rebukes Peter from withdrawing from the table when certain people came. Um, that's that's going to be good. Yeah. It's going to be fun. Um, then we're going to talk about the miracles that can happen at the table and also relationships that can be birthed at the table. Yeah. yeah. It'll lead us right into Palm Sunday uh, and Easter. Palm Sunday. Awesome. about that. Yeah. So. 
All right, thank you guys for joining us. Remember to share and like, subscribe, all those good things, whether you're watching on YouTube or you're listening to us on your favorite podcast platform. Thanks for joining us, and uh, we will see you guys next time.